Hello and welcome to Misbehave, the podcast where we explore human behavior in a business context. Season two of Misbehave is all about uncovering behavioral patterns which create success in life and business. We're joined by highly driven, accomplished individuals to assess their behavioral patterns and dive into how behaviors have influenced their journey. This episode features endurance athlete Mimi Anderson, better known as Marvelous Mimi. As the holder of multiple Guinness World Records, Mimi is no stranger to pushing beyond boundaries and taking on challenges that seem impossible. From extreme distance running in the oppressive heats of the desert to the freezing temperatures of the Arctic. Well known for her doubles, running back to the start of the race after reaching the end, Mimi epitomizes resilience, determination, and breaking out of your self-imposed limits. So welcome, Mimi. We are so excited to have you on with us today. Obviously, we've done a, a little bit of an introduction to you, but would love to hear a little overview from you in your own words of your journey so far. Oh, no, thank you, guys. It's uh, really nice to be here. Um, journey so far, well, it's, I always find this bit really I difficult, <laughs> actually. Um, <laughs> I'm Well, I'm a mother of three um, and a grandmother of four. And I started running when I was 36, so quite late in life, only because I wanted to have thinner legs, total vanity. Um, <laughs> it's a good motivation. But, I know. <laughs> but yeah, when I finally got my thinner legs, they weren't very nice at all. But yeah, so I, I started running and discovered quite quickly that I was better suited or well suited to the endurance stuff. So anything over, so for me, 100 miles. So the longer the distance, the better. And yeah, so it went on from there. So I've, I've literally raced all over the world doing some extraordinary things. I mean, I've been so, so lucky um, and seeing some amazing places and meeting some wonderful people, which is, yeah, I, I, I've, it's been fantastic. Loved it. Amazing. And some of the places that you've been, give us a little, some, have you got a favorite or a, a couple of favorites? Because I think one favorite's always hard to nail down, but have you got a couple of favorites? I think for me, the Arctic was very special because it's the sort of place that I always wanted to go. I mean, most of the places I go is my husband would never take me there on holiday. <laughs> so, you know, when the opportunity comes, you grab it. So the Arctic is one place because, you know, imagine you're, you're going along in this very barren landscape, literally surrounded by nothing but snow and a few trees. And actually the further north you go, the less, the, you know, the trees become more and more sparse until they don't exist at all. And every night I had the Northern Lights that came out literally about two o'clock in the morning and they came out and they played for hours. And it was just, Amazing. I mean, just stunning. You're by yourself and you wanted to lie down on, on the snow and just, and just watch these extraordinary lights dancing around um, above you. Just beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. I've seen anything like it. That's enough to make me want to run. <laughs> if know, you can tell me just, that I can have that experience, I'm in. <laughs> can I just say it's not enough to make me run, but I would come and maybe carry a bag and do the stop-offs yeah. and like look at the lights with you. Um, you can do that, yeah. And then you've got the other extreme, which I suppose is uh, Death Valley in America. I did a, There's a race there called Badwater, which starts from the lowest point, which is, I think, 284 feet below sea level. It's really weird when you look up and there's a sign that says sea level and you're thinking this is very odd. And then it finishes eight and a half thousand feet above sea level. So you go, it's, it's a road race, but, you know, it, it is at the time of the race when it happens in July, it is the hottest place in the world. 
Yeah, it is unbelievable. So we talk about extreme conditions. I mean, literally, that's one extreme to another on on a whole nother level. Just minus 40 to plus 50. It's crazy. crazy. Just for the listeners, Mimi, could you just tell us a little bit about uh, what that takes for you to be able to do to do those kind of um, those kind of tests? Because when uh, Laura and I were lucky enough to hear you speak at, a, at an event and um, we heard how you talked about your team and the people who support you to be able to do some of these some of these sort of uh, missions, as it were, that span over a period of time. And it's all a prep beforehand. Tell us a little yeah. bit about that. Well, the prep beforehand is so something like, for example, um, so bad water, as an example. I mean, that is you're part of a race there, but everybody has to have their own support crew because it is so hot that literally they are meeting you every mile, every couple of miles and, and giving you water and spraying you. And within five minutes of being sprayed, you are you're dry, again. You're dry again. It is ridiculous. So the prep for that is working out your sort of your plan with your your crew as to um, you're sort of pacing what you want to achieve from the race, whether, you know, you're aiming to win it or, you know, you want to do the best you can because you're turning around and then going back or doing something. Um, but, you know, you have to obviously put in the training for it, but it's you have to do heat acclimatization. So sitting in the sauna for hours on, on end to get used to your body in that environment and drinking that amount of water. Oh, there's and getting the kit right. You know, there's so much stuff that you have to do. Um, and then when you go there, it's uh, getting enough ice. I mean, <laughs> you know, you have these great big containers, and some of them are known as the coffin because they're so big that um, you literally can get inside them. Wow. <laughs> it's like an ice bath. I hate those, so I never have them. So there's quite a lot of prep to, to begin with. So I mean, mostly coming from me and those sort of events because I'm the one that's obviously running. But in something like a world record, for example, again, I'll do a lot of the prep, but my crew will also get involved with uh, the pacing, the planning. Um, And then once everything's sort of in place, I do most of it. But once it's all in place, then I hand it all over to my support crew. Yeah. And they then they then take over. And I have to let go at that stage and just concentrate on myself. Yeah, Because I can imagine with, you know, some of the stuff that you've described and the extremities of it. That actually, once you get out there, there's no headspace for you to be able to have to think about a lot of that planning and almost the next stages. It's just about you staying, I would assume, zoned in to what you're doing in that moment. You have to be, um, you do have to be very focused and you have to trust that your um, team are going to sort of get on and do their job. I mean, it's very interesting because one of the things that my team are very good at um, is that if they have a sort of disagreement or an argument, which to be fair, doesn't really happen. Um, but if something does happen, I they make sure I never know about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if I have a moment when I'm just feeling a little, I mean, there's a classic with um, Becky, my head crew, um, and we were in, in Badwater. And it was, um, I think it was the it was the actual race part. So I was, I was doing the race at this stage and... <laughs> She met up with me and she handed me this bowl. And in this bowl was this disgusting looking sort of noodles and chicken and bleh, stuff. And um, and she said, there you go, Mimi. And I looked at that and I said, well, I'm not going to eat that. I said, that's disgusting. And I said, yeah, I was like a pet- petulant child. I just stamped my foot. And I said, I'm not having that. It's got too many carrots in it. You know, <laughs> pathetic. Anyway, I said, 
handed her the bowl and off I ran, you see, to be met a mile later down the road by Becky, who had taken out said carrots and put in more chicken. Um, and, I, <laughs> and I just said to her, I said, I'm not eating that. And she looked at me and she said, well, Mimi, we have got all day. And um, can we can this. stand here absolutely until you, you eat it. So I did, I ate it oh and I stopped <laughs> off and I stopped off and then I turned around and I came back and went, sorry. <laughs> this, sorry. Is, this is the first example uh, to the listeners of, um, I mean, it, it's very aptly called Misbehave Our Podcast. This yes. is a very good example of Mimi demonstrating her misbehaviour whilst out on one of these missions. Okay, that's fantastic. One of the reasons it's really good for us to find out a bit more about that team piece is I'm just going to, just to sort of shed a light on some of the dominant patterns uh, that your behavioural survey that uh, that you did for us, very kindly uh, did for us, that actually strongly links with your four dominants. So your dominant behavioural patterns, really. So these these patterns are kind of how you, where, you're, where you naturally sit, where you're usually at your best, where you default to. And you've got four dominants and the rest are pretty, pretty even. But all four are linked to, well, one of them are linked to your appetite for change and doing different things. And um, you're, you are uh, 100% evolution, which in our, in normal terms, basically means that you have a massive appetite for pushing the boundaries, doing new things, being the first maybe to do something, um, which absolutely links to, to everything that we've just described in the intro. Um, you know, you've got a you've got a huge, huge appetite for that. And that's obviously a key driver for you to be looking at things that maybe people haven't done before. It'd be interesting for you to tell us, how do you select the 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 things that you do how do you what's that selection process because basically this you know some people on on the podcast will be listening or are running businesses you know we were keen to get someone on who who has chosen a different kind of profession as it were a different thing to focus on but to push their limits and test their boundaries and and what we want to do is we want to sort of link this through to appetite for change because you know, a lot of the businesses Laura and I work with, they're they're dealing with huge pieces of transitional change within their business or their team are, are moving through big pieces of change. You know, we've just come out of COVID. Businesses have been thrown into chaos. So it's a, a chaos around change and having to adapt to force change. How do you go about selecting that? Because I think some of it from from certainly what we've we know about you is that you want to do stuff that maybe other people haven't done, and you you also break world records. So <laughs> there's something in you that wants to that do wants to things. do. Yeah. Well, it, you know, it never it never occurred to me that I could break a world record. So there we go. I think. Well, interesting enough, I think when um, so when the Arctic race came up. Um, it was organized, funnily enough, by a sort of friend of mine. And it, he had, there were three, um, three distances that you could do. There was the marathon, 120 miles, and then the one that I opted for in the end, 352.64 miles, apparently. Um, just to be exact. And just to be exact. It counts. It I mean, counts. if you do 350 miles, you want to make sure we we'll add that 0. 0.6 to the end of it. Exactly. It's very important, isn't it? Um, but it never occurred to me to go out and do the 120. Why would anybody go and do? Well, this is this is my way of thinking. Yeah, yeah. But I I just thought I don't didn't see the point in going out and running 120 miles. Um, and you then had the option to make the decision to then go and continue, and you could do the 350. But I think the way that your brain works sometimes is that if you get to 120. Well, you've switched off, haven't you, at that stage? Because you think, well, I've achieved my goal. 
uh, why would I want to go on and do 352 miles? So I go straight in with the big one. But I why do I do it? I, th I think it never, it, it excites me. Yeah. yeah. It never occurs to me that, I, which is probably awful, actually, is, is, but I, I have self-belief that I can do it. Because, again, I think if you don't have self-belief, you, you're not going to be able to achieve some of the stuff that you want, want to do. And I do do quite a lot of research into these things as well. So when I decide, I mean, I sign on the dotted line, then panic afterwards. So that's <laughs> the way I tend to do it. And the same thing with my Guinness, one of my Guinness World Records, so my John O'Groats to Land's End. I actually had a, um, two goes at that. I, the only reason I, I did that, I didn't even know the record existed, was because somebody said to me, sent me an email and said, well, why don't you give it a go? And I thought, oh, why not? <laughs> and, I, but I, and I Googled it and I looked at it and I thought, well, why can't I run 840 miles? You know, again, it's so stupid, isn't it? I mean, and I think it's so interesting. And I remember when you and I caught up ahead of this, like the thing that struck me was almost that appetite for pushing yourself, for doing something new, for almost experiencing new things. And I remember you said something to me that really stuck with me, that you said the world record was a byproduct almost, that actually the world record was great, but the motivation for doing it was doing something new, pushing yourself, that belief that you could do it. And that totally led us through with that evolution behavioral pattern of actually, you could assume if people didn't understand behaviors, we could assume that everybody that does what you do has to be motivated by just the achievement. Because when you're saying 350 odd miles, that's an achievement. But it's really interesting because that the achievement doesn't have to be the dominant motivator. It can be all the other things that come with that of pushing yourself and experiencing new things and driving change in your life. It doesn't just ha have to be the achievement. And I think no. for you, that's secondary to all the other pieces, which is really interesting. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I think, I mean, obviously you want to go out there and you want to get the world record, but it's, um, you know, it's like any of these big challenges. It's for me, it's the, it's the adventure because it is an adventure. Um, and, you know, can you run 840 miles? Can you run 352 miles in the Arctic? Actually, I had no idea at all, but I do. Everybody has the capacity to do more than they think they can do. And, and yes, you, you have times when you're out there when, quite frankly, you think, what the dickens am I doing? And for me, it's usually about the middle of, of an event. But that passes because you know that, you know, around that corner, you know, you're trudging up this hill. And whether it's on a, on a bike or, a, or, or you're running and, and you, you know, your, your whole body is aching, you get to the top of that hill or the top of that mountain and the view is just absolutely fantastic. And you think, this is why we do things like this. This is why we do it. It's seeing those places. And I yeah. think that's really interesting because if we look at some of the patterns that we said, I said earlier, that were relatively even, we would have expected potentially that your goal focus would have been higher and your achievement, your motivation would be more linked to achievement. And actually, because just because of the nature of the challenges, However, what came out really strong in your in your map was that um, two of your biggest dominants were around uh, people and the impact you have on people and the impact that you, you know, having that support system and feeling like a sense of belonging to a team and very much like, you know, if you think about it, if you're if you're you're 
running a business or you're uh, executing a challenge, that people bit is, is a big piece for you. And often, you know, that's seen as sometimes when we talk about leadership, people think that you have to be motivated by success or money or, K, you know, KPIs, key performance indicators, like the goals have to be super clear. They do, but some people are more motivated by the impact they're having on the people around them or the team around them or having that sense of belonging and group achievement. And I think, you know, it it just reinforces the message that Laura and I always say is that leader leadership comes in lots of dis- different shapes and sizes and behaviours are behaviours. There's not any right or wrong. You just, it's appreciating and understanding what are, I mean, if you can understand what motivates you, that's that's super important. You can play to that if you can understand what motivates the people around you. You can play to that, you know. So, and, and Becky sounds like she has she has the measure of you, and she she's good oh, at. She, <laughs> does. she does. She's a witch, actually. She, she knows. She's when she's crewing with my husband. She'll be looking at her watch. She's an accountant, Becky, and so she's very good at maths and everything. She's also a very good runner. Um, and she'll go to Tim, she'll go, right, five minutes and Mimi will be coming around that corner in 5.50, whatever it might be. And, you know, usually she's absolutely spot on. And what it sounds like, think- what it sounds like Becky's got is she's high process, high detail, probably aligned yes, with is. that accountant thing. And actually, that's what you need. When you need somebody to keep you on track, that's what you need. You need them to be right with that stuff. Yeah, no, she's brilliant, actually, because she will do things like, if I'm setting a course record, as an example, if I'm going out and I, my my aim for it is to set a record. Um, and uh, so she will do a plan A, B and a C. And plan A, obviously, is the one that I want to get. And when I did one particular record along the Grand Union Canal, I was at halfway point. I was exactly halfway between point uh, plan A and plan B. And by the time I finished, I was 12 minutes behind plan A. Wow. So she's brilliant. So she knows exactly how I work, which is which is what I need. Because, I mean, give me a spreadsheet of maths and, um, well, I mean, it just goes over my head. I mean, we do scenario planning with, with our clients. You know, that's what we do. Sometimes you'll hit a point in a business and it can go, you know, there's lots of uncertainties and you, you plan out your scenarios. It's exactly the same thing. Yeah. And, like understanding what potential your options are and what you need to do in order to hit A, B or C is like, it's absolutely, and you know, it's something we do a lot with our scaling businesses or businesses that are going through big pieces of change because you need to have, you don't want to over-prepare because often you don't know, but you do need to know like what it would take for you to get to scenario one, two or three. Yeah. yeah. One of the things that I've learned is that you have to be adaptable. 100%, yeah. You know, you, you can have your plan, um, because you've got to have a plan. I mean, mind you, lots of people don't, but that's fine. I'm, I'm, my children call me a control freak. It's something I've never sort of understood at all. Um, How rude. But you've got to have... <laughs> that's what I said to them. Um, uh, but I think you've got to have some sort of a plan. And then, as you say, that, that can then be adapted as you go along because things happen. The unexpected happen yeah, that you, you can't control. You've got no control about that over that at all. Talk us through a little bit and then we're going to talk about maybe some of your biggest wins and your biggest challenges. But you and I had a little conversation about obviously this people piece. That's a big dominant for you. And you were talking about, you know, often doing races where it's interesting because your actual job in the race is independent. You know, it's you running. You're not, you know, we talked about you're not a relay runner where you've got your handing off to other people. And obviously that shows on your map because you're highly independent in that regard. But then you've got that huge people piece around you. So talk me through a little bit around 
maybe how that's fed into some of your choices and then how it references to the race that we talked about that you're doing in July, which is maybe going to be a contrast to that. I know. I'm quite nervous about that one. <laughs> uh, yes. I mean, I do prefer, I think right from the beginning, and this is without sort of really realizing it, um, right from the beginning, I have done things where I, I prefer to share my journey with other people. Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, I know lots of people who go off and do these fantastic things for weeks on end and they're solo and they, you know, have these amazing adventures. And that sort of doesn't really appeal to me at all. Um, but I'm quite happy doing a similar thing, but with a friend. Yeah. Um, so hence, I've now got into the, into the bikepacking adventures. And so last, last year, I did quite a few events with another lady called Lowry, who um, is a, a, comes from a similar background, running background, to me and it was lovely yeah it was just so nice doing our first big adventures on on I call them bicycles everybody else called them cycles um uh you know together as 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 a team so you're sharing that responsibility you're sharing the you know the sort of the 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 issues that could happen you know if you have a puncture or something sort of happens you're you're sort of sharing it now I could do it on my own but it's quite nice doing it with somebody else and waking up in the morning and, you know, you set off on your bikes and it's freezing cold and you wake up and then the sun comes up and you watch this beautiful sunrise and both of us just go, oh, wow, look at that. Got you know, to share that with. That's yeah. exactly oh, why beautiful. we're in business together, Mimi. This yeah. is why, because we're literally, you know, <laughs> not most, interested in doing it alone. We do, yeah, no. we want to do it together and have the highs and the lows and share that. And, you yeah. know, I think in... In certainly in life, it's great to have, you know, it's great to have people in your life, whether that's in business or your personal life, where you can share that stuff. Sometimes I, I live by the beach and I'll go for a walk and the sunset is so beautiful. Like I take a picture and I send it to Laura because I wish she's there. I wish she was there with us or I'll send it to a family member and I'll be like, look at this. And I'm sure they must think, gosh, I wish she'd stop sharing sunsets and yeah. sunrises. <laughs> but Sarah has this, it has very similar patterns to you when it comes to people. Okay, She's higher on that external piece. She's higher yeah. on affiliation. So that you know, that's a, that's a similarity and it, and it drives yeah. some of that. But I think also with you, you guys, and it's the same with Larry and myself as well, is that, you know, you, you work as a team, mm-hmm. but you both got um, sort of different traits. So yeah. you'll be, one of you will be better at one thing and then, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And again, that's great because then that complements you. So when you're cycling along, you know, I mean, I would do the planning bit mm-hmm. um, beforehand and do all of that. But Larry's much better at sort of, you know, ringing ahead and, you know, when, when we stop and doing the hotel bit. And so we had different things that were sort of, were good at. Yeah. Which is really important, isn't it? Which is why this behavioural map stuff is so important because you can actually, Laura and I are different on a, a number of areas, but what we do is we, we're aware of that and we flex it where we need to, yeah. sometimes with each other and sometimes with people we're influencing. And then sometimes we'll choose we'll choose myself for a job because of the nature of a client or Laura to do a piece of work because of her strengths and her dominance. So it really is about just understanding yourself better. But like you say, it's it's that strength, isn't it? There's been so many wins, it sounds like. If you had to name a couple, what would you say for you, not necessarily for for the, from the outside looking in, but for you, what have been some of your biggest wins, do you feel like? Well, I think, well, one of them, I think, has to be um, a race called the Spartathlon, which is... Uh, it's a road race. Again, you have to qualify to do this race. It, it starts in Athens and it runs, goes all the way to Sparta in, in Greece. 
Um, it's 153 miles nonstop, and you have to do it in 36 hours. And I never, I don't consider myself a fast runner at all. So I never entered it. And I met the guy, John Foden, who um, originally set up this race. And he kept on saying, come on, Minnie, you, you've got to sign up. And I went, no, absolutely not, because I'm just not fast enough. Um, so I'm not going to do it. Anyway, of course, you keep on looking at it because it is one of the most iconic races out there. And I'm thinking, Mimi, you've got to do this race because if you don't, you become such an old fart, you then won't be able to, to do it. Um, so I signed up in 2011. And my, my purely, all I wanted to do in that race at that time was to get to the finish line in under 36 hours so that I had, could come back home and say, oh, I've done it. That's it. Now I never have to do it again. <laughs> and... I just loved it. it. It was an extraordinary race. And I, I don't feel that I so particularly pushed myself or, I mean, I walked at one stage with one guy who was having a really bad time. And so I said, oh, sure, I'll walk with you. I mean, it was fast walking. I said, oh, I'll walk with you for a little bit. And then eventually I looked at my watch. I went, actually, I've got to go now. Um, <laughs> and did that. Anyway, I ended up coming. Um, I said to my crew, do not tell me where I am in the race, in, in, my, in my position, because I just, I don't want to know. I'm not remotely interested. And then on the second day, I heard, I ran past these, these group of women and they went, oh, well done, she said, you're second female. Oh God, why did you tell me that? I really didn't want to know. And about, I suppose, an hour later, going up this really long hill and I could hear uh, not one, but two women trundling up behind me, chatting away, well, not chatting, but you could hear that they were some women. Anyway, they overtook me. So suddenly I went from second female to fourth. And I thought, whoa, not having that. <laughs> um, so I sort of, I had, to, I had to keep, I thought, okay, the only tactic here is to talk to this, she was a Hungarian lady, to talk to her and then hopefully she'll get so bored she'll disappear. <laughs> anyway, so I kept up with her and then um, I thought, well, the other one's gone. It was a lovely Japanese lady. And, uh, and we overtook the Japanese lady. I thought, yes, now I've just got to hang on for dear life to, to third place. There was no way I was able to overtake that Hungarian lady. Anyway, I finished third, wow. third female and first Brit home. And I think um, for me, um, with such a fantastic international field of amazing runners, for me, that was That's a too. massive achievement um and something that I never thought that I would be able to do so yeah it was, yeah that was yeah. very special that's phenomenal but you know what's so interesting I mean god the amount of different things that you've done when we were looking at it I was like I couldn't name a win here but that the way you described that's just it's so resonant with your dominant behaviors around you know <laughs> you first described that race as that iconic race that really hits with that evolution, change, experience piece first. And then the fact that there was so many people's stories woven through yeah. that of, you know, stopping and talking to the guy, using the tactic. I love that. Let's find something different to talk to the Hungarian lady. Obviously, there's still some achievement pieces in there, but that wasn't first for you. If that was first for you, you would have said right from the very beginning, tell me where I'm at. I need to know where I'm at every point in this race. Yeah. And it's just so... It speaks so much to the fact that you can have amazing achievements. Whatever that behavioral makeup is, if you just work in line with those areas of strength. So it's phenomenal. You've already broken 
world records. You've already done more phenomenal things than most people will do in their lifetime. So what's next for you? This is, you know, last year I turned 60. And um, and so I thought, right, I'm going to have a massive, great big year last year. And in fact, and my husband went, oh, that's good. So next year, i.e. this year, you're going to have a sort of much quieter. I went, yeah, absolutely. Well, it never <laughs> happens, does it? Because the list, you think, oh, that's good. That's good. Anyway, so I've got two quite, well, I've got quite a few, but I've got two very big challenges this year. So one of them is cycling something called the North Cape 4000. So you're basically cycling uh, from, our route is from Turin, all the way it goes to Paris, Wiggle, wiggle to Oslo. I used to live just outside Oslo. And then wiggle, wiggle, wiggle all the way up to as far as the top of Norway as you can go. If you go any further, you fall into the sea. I'm sure that wiggle, wiggle doesn't feel... <laughs> it sounds like it, it sounds, sounds very better, nice, doesn't it? Doesn't it? <laughs> I, know. I know. So, And I, I really, really wanted to do that because I did the Pan-Celtic uh, last year, which I absolutely loved, which was, um, uh, you know, my first really big one which I did with Larry and this one I'm doing on my own but I have I do know a few other people doing it uh, so we are actually going out together which is quite nice so um, I've got my people fix there you go. <laughs> uh, and hopefully it's quite a relaxed race in terms of um, you know so hopefully you know you'll meet people along the route and you can share bits and things so I'm doing that but Larry and I so my my partner in crime are next year are really big adventure is cycling the two of us from Namibia all the way across to um, Tanz- um, yeah, Tanzania. Yeah. She says and that like it's, you know. You know, like yeah. she just does that <laughs> on a Sunday morning. I'm quite excited, actually, because, again, you don't think about the distance. So, I, so I've done the route. So we're going up to, we're going up to Victoria Falls because I've never seen Victoria Falls. Um, and then we're going to wiggle, 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 and then go around uh, the top of Lake Malawi, because, again, never been to Lake Malawi. And I thought, well, as we're there, we might as well, you know, go and then shoot across to Tanzania and then somehow get home. <laughs> well, sign us up to carry your bags if you want that. It sounds like a fabulous yeah, right, trip. Yeah. Aside from the, all the miles of cycling, of course. But, yeah. And that one, Mimi, you mentioned that you're doing you're raising money for charity for coco is that right with that with yeah that so we're doing coco and we're doing one other um yeah. charity yeah um and so we're sort of hopefully trying to raise you know as much money as possible for them and then also trying to get a bit of sponsorship for ourselves just to try and cover um any costs and then obviously any money that we don't use then goes straight back into um the charity so um, a, sh- a shout out a shout out to our uh, business listeners if this yes. story has inspired you and you want to help maybe in her next uh, challenge and adventure then um yeah please reach out and you can find Mimi what we're going to do is we're going to drop in the show notes um, Mimi's Instagram and that's the best place for listeners to find you isn't it and kind of follow all your adventures but also for that link to sponsorship if they wanted to do that yeah, Instagram, and I've got a website as well, okay, okay. Uh, which I'm sort of in the process of updating. But uh, I'm not very good at. Um, I think we can. Sense. I think we can forgive you. Um, you're definitely doing more than most people. I think in amongst the four thousand miles of cycling, the website <laughs> kind of just comes lower down on the priority list. The trick is, I think, with any of these things, is you don't think about the distance. You know, yeah. you sign up to these things, you don't think about the distance because it is all about the adventure. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? And you come away from that, and you just think, oh my goodness you know, how amazing, you know, and you look back at your photographs and you, and sometimes you don't want to take a photograph. Sometimes you just have to 
be in the moment and just enjoy you know that's what it's all about yeah whatever the achievement is at the end you know getting to the end obviously is important but it's it's the journey to get there and I think that's such a lovely wrap-up isn't it the, of you know not focusing on the distance but just being part of the adventure I think is yeah. such a lovely wrap-up to this but thank you so much we have loved this we are you know I mean we were blown away when we saw you speak and just find you so inspiring. So thank you so much. We know that in amongst all of the training that you're doing, um, you took time out of your busy schedule to spend time with us. So we've loved every second and thank you so much for being on. Thank you, Mimi. Thank you for having me. It's been really, really interesting, actually. I've loved it. Thank you. So let's wrap up with some key takeaways from today's episode with Mimi. So the first one is making sure that in your team you play to each individual's dominant behaviors in order to strengthen the collective of the team. So Mimi talked about Becky in her team, one of her crew, being what she described as process and detail. So actually when Mimi's off running a race and playing to her high independent pattern, she doesn't have capacity to be able to think about that. So having someone in her team who has behavioural strengths in those areas is really important. So that's kind of the first thing that we would wrap up and it's something that we do day to day in our work with businesses. We actually run team behavioural profiles to see where everybody sits in the team and how to play more to each other's strengths and actually where potentially teams have gaps that they might want to look to fill when they recruit. The second piece was really about the thought process that you don't have to be achievement motivated to achieve big things as long as you play to your dominant motivation when you are looking to achieve things. So we talked about Mimi in what she does, you could assume that she would be achievement motivated first. So she's actually driving for that achievement of the world record or the accolade or the recognition or the medal at the end of a race. But actually what we found was that Mimi's dominant motivation was affiliation, which means that she was motivated about the people piece. And actually you heard her talk about it when we talked about that biggest win um, and her, how she it was interacting with the different people through the race, racing alongside some of them, finishing close with somebody else. That was actually the motivation that she stimulated through that race that actually enabled her to reach the achievement of being the third woman. So making sure that you don't just assume if you're not achievement motivated, you can't achieve big things, but making sure you do play to that motivation as part of that achievement. So the final takeaway is around the change piece. So we talked about Mimi being 100% evolution, which means that she is driven by high levels of change and in with respect to her journey, new experiences and doing different things. It would have been so easy and actually many do in what Mimi does to stick to doing the same type of races and to stick with perfecting that. But actually what she's recognized is that that isn't what drives her. What drives her is experiencing new things, pushing beyond the boundaries and making sure that she has new experiences along the way. You heard her talk about that when she talked about the upcoming race that she's got from Namibia to Tanzania about having some of those new experiences seeing places like Victoria Falls along the way and that actually just enhances the journey for her 
the adventure as she calls it, but also has without a doubt contributed to the levels of success that she's had because it's when she performs at her very best. Thank you for listening to the Misbehave podcast and a big thank you to Mimi for joining us. You can head to the show notes to find a link to Mimi's website and to her Instagram so you can follow her future adventures. Hit subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes.